Welcome to Crypto Nights, where we help you finally make sense of the trending world of cryptocurrencies. So gather your virtual piggy bank and let's get started. Welcome to the next episode of Crypto Nights, where the best minds bridge the crypto divide. I'm your host, Kant Miriala. Here, I'm extremely excited to bring you back one of our guest speakers from the past, Paul Walsh. Paul sees a world where everyone feels safe and secure when opening a link. He is the founder and CEO of Metacert, a security company that protects crypto communities from phishing attacks inside Slack and other mainstream messaging platforms. Paul was one of the two people who co-instigated the creation of the W3C standard for URL classification, and he holds a full patent for phishing protection inside a mobile app, WebView. The most exciting thing he has done is started helping tons and tons and tons of people to protect themselves from phishing attacks that are happening inside of messaging platforms. You're going to hear a lot about that. If you have a wallet, if you have a Bitcoin, if you have an Ether, or if you plan to buy some tokens, or if you know someone who is planning to do any of these, this is the episode for you. You want to listen to it, you want to take notes, and you want to definitely share it with others because one of our missions is to protect, educate. We want to bridge the crypto divide and bring in new people, but safely. So help us do that. Thank you. Without further ado, here is Paul Walsh. Paul, thank you for being back on Crypto Nights and your episode has been lauded as one of the best episodes we have put out already. Extremely useful. And uh, I really had to have another one very quickly with you because the one of the goals is for us to bridge the crypto divide. But as we have new people coming in, there's a lot of people that are innocent and naive and may not understand the dangers of this whole <laughs> ecosystem. So you are uh, literally being the shield. You're protecting a lot of people uh, by alerting them about the dangers lurking in the crypto space. So you were telling me about the Omai's oh Go a couple of days back. So I know it's a crazy time. It's midnight, my time central. It's 10 p.m. yours, <laughs> working 24 by 7. But uh, yeah, can you give us a scoop on what's happening at your end? Oh, actually, I do have some exciting news, actually. Uh, so MetaSearch has been involved in chatbots and artificial intelligence and messaging for quite some time now. In fact, I've just got back from given the opening keynote at a conference in Helsinki uh, that was hosted by uh, Ule, which is the national broadcaster. And my talk was on artificial intelligence and messaging platforms like Slack. And um, so the update that I have is that Metacert, so we've been involved in that space for quite some time, but we've only been involved in the cryptocurrency world for four weeks. I thought actually it was a bit longer, but it's actually only four weeks. And Guess how many messages we have analyzed across cryptocurrency communities inside Slack alone? A hundred million. Hundred, I wanted to say a hundred thousand, I would be No, a hundred million. We've already hit a hundred million. I mean, across all of our customers, we've hit let over 1.2 billion. hundred million messages. So across all of our, across all the communities that are protected by Metacert. Yeah. Collectively, yeah. they members in those communities have exchanged over a hundred million 
messages. That's just the MetaCert community. So the utility is huge. I, I don't, I can't remember offhand how many alerts we've uh, seen, but it's like tens of thousands. I think it was actually, I think it was about 58,000. <laughs> so that's actually thousand alerts. potential phishing links that were alerted. Well, alerts. Uh, actually, no, it's it's higher than fifty eight thousand. It's not necessarily fifty eight thousand different links. It means that uh, the number of people who have received alerts, it's kind of the clock is fifty eight thousand. How do you or define it, an how do you define an alert? It's when you get an alert to say this is a bad link. Uh, so but I potentially clicked on a bad link, and you're telling me, hey, it's a bad link. Is that an alert? Uh, it's an alert before you've clicked on the link. In fact, you know, the 58,000 is just ridiculous. That's silly. It's got to be a lot, lot higher than that. The 58,000 actually is the number of people that uh, are members of some of the communities. I think the number of people that we're protecting across the communities is about 58,000 or 68,000. Uh, but the, the biggest number or, the, you know, the number to look at right now is over 100 million messages. So kind of it's grown quite quickly. If we look at Domesto or Dbot, which is the only other security app that's on Slack, and it does about probably 5% of what MetaCert does, and it doesn't have its own threat intelligence system, which means it relies on companies like MetaCert for the phishing links. On their website, they have about, I think it's uh, 16 million across all their customers, and we have over 16 million messages and they closed $20 million Series A investment. So they've done 16 million. Across all of our customers, we've monitored over 1.2 billion, of which 100 million is the cryptocurrency. And that is kind of, that's a curve going up because of the number of ICOs and token launches and other communities coming on board all the time. And the one thing that I'm very proud of is that for every one or two communities that join, uh, members, MetaCert's kind of membership, as it were, they seem to recommend us to one or two others. I would, I would still like to, at some point, when when you've got those numbers down, you know, the potential losses that have been mitigated. See, for example, you know, if you came up with sixty thousand alerts, for instance, and you know that so many alerts would usually result in maybe 1,000 or 2,000 of them actually clicking and uh, giving their identities or logins and passwords away, resulting in losses and what is the average loss. And if we can multiply and we say, okay, that's 2,000 Bitcoins or 20,000 Ethers or something like that. I want to uh, maybe in future try to get an estimate of, uh, you know, how much, because sometimes it's hard for people to understand how much potential savings are happening how much heartache is being uh, prevented yeah. by medicine. We've got a lot of those uh, statistics. We're logging absolutely everything. Um, and what I would like to do is to build a global central threat intelligence system. And what I mean by that is this. When we're installed in so many communities, we can actually get a good feel for what's going on uh, in the crypto world. I literally see attacks happening in real time, coordinated across multiple communities. So while each community manager or operator or team might think, oh, no, we've got a, a scam coming in right now, I can actually see, the team can see that that same individual is operating across 
multiple communities, or it could be one person of of a team that's operating across a number of communities because it's happening at the same time. And one of the things that we're doing, and I don't want to go into too much detail because it's something that we don't want to publish on our website, is that we have come up with a way to have a zero-second solution to phishing attacks that happen specifically through the Slack API or the Slack bot reminder. And as soon as it happens, we'll have the website labeled so that other communities can benefit from that. And we'll be able to immediately automatically ban the person who sent the link. And then we'll be able to ban them within one second of them joining another community after that. So we're coming up with ways that it's going to, it's not perfect it'll never be perfect, but we're coming up with ways based on the behavior of fishers to tackle the problem because just classifying a URL is not the, is not the only way to tackle this is we have to look at the behavior. What I'm thinking is, shouldn't this be a deal with Slack and iMessage and Twitter and whoever else directly? I mean, if I were to open a, a Slack team or a group, shouldn't I be getting medicine organically? Shouldn't well, that you strike with Slack? Yeah, I, I had a, a meeting with Slack. Um, I had a meeting with the head of security at Slack as a direct result of being introduced to him by senior people at Slack. And he chose to implement the Google Safe Browser API over MetaCert um, for whatever reason. But it wasn't a particularly good decision, in my opinion, because uh, number one, I can't say whether I can't make a comment on the Slack, on the Google Safe Browser API. But what I can say is I own a full patent on the checking or security of uh, phishing and malware protection inside an application web view. But more importantly than that, we have the world's biggest and most advanced threat intelligence system. And so we can react much more quickly to phishing attacks, particularly that happen in the cryptocurrency world, because we have a a multitude of things. We have a multifaceted approach to malware and phishing. We We take feeds from about nine different open source data sets. We have our own data set whereby we have people from, we have researchers from companies like Cisco and Proofpoint contributing to our database inside our community, as well as other members of the community, as well as most communities having a report URL channel dedicated to where they can report URLs to MetaCert. And so we're able to classify in a way that Google can't. And um, yeah, the ideal situation would be that Slack would embed us because we do other things that a simple API couldn't possibly do. Maybe they will in the future. You know, maybe they'll realize that uh, the they need to provide more support to communities because the way Slack is designed, as they articulate to the world, Slack is designed for companies. It's designed for teams whereby you verify the integrity of the individuals that join your Slack. Um, and so it's not. It wasn't originally designed to cope with communities whereby you would have individuals joining and you don't know whether you're to be trusted or not. Now, what I would say to that is that's kind of not, that's not ideal anyway, because if you look at a company like uh, Walmart with 300,000 employees, 
most IT professionals are more concerned about insider threats than they are external hacks. And it doesn't matter if you're inside a collaboration tool like Slack that is supposed to be closed. Every individual, every human being is actually connected to the outside world through other applications and websites. And humans are always the weakest link. And it's always the humans who actually make the mistakes, not the software. Um, so, and then also what I articulated to Slack was that they need to be mindful that rather than just saying, hey, look, we don't support communities, they need to realize that some of these communities have up to 15,000 people. A lot of them are very influential people that work at big companies. And if those big influential people who work at big companies think, well, we can't trust Slack, then that's a lot of potential enterprise customers that will not install Slack as a direct result of them not supporting the communities, even though that they believe it's not specifically designed for communities. And it's not just Slack, right? There's, there's Telegram and there's other platforms that ICOs and token launches are using to manage their communities. But Slack is the main one. Even Kick. Kick is a great messaging app platform, which has over 300 million users. They just closed $50 million in a pre-ICO sale and they're going to raise another 100 million. And they use Slack to build and maintain their community. They just happened to install Metasert in the last few days as well, by the way. Um, and we're talking to them about other types of integrations because they've got their own wallet. So they need to be mindful that people could potentially attack them because of, for their own wallet. How about uh, Telegram? Because we were talking about that last time and you said we, we still don't have a solution for Telegram. Metasert is not on Telegram yet. No, we're not. Uh, we're basically doubling down on Slack because that's the biggest challenge for the vast majority of people in the cryptocurrency world. And to be quite frank, you know, how can you possibly, <laughs> how can you possibly have a conversation with more than three people inside a telegram uh, community? It's ridiculous. I don't understand how people do it, but they are doing it. You know, we have to look at that in the future because telegram and WeChat and line, they will all be used to kind of help garner the interests of communities in different countries where they're the predominant players, they're the predominant platforms. But we're focused on uh, doubling down on Slack and we're also now looking at building, I've already got a first version of an add-on. So we're building browser add-ons. So even if you're not using Slack, if you're using an email, where you've received the link, once you click on the link, it's going to open up in your browser. So if you install our add-on, it'll protect you in the same way that our Slack app does. So we're looking at the other tools to, to kind of solve the very specific problems that are faced by the cryptocurrency investors right now. Uh, we will put Telegram on the roadmap, of course, but it's just not for the, you know, it's not for the next two or three months which, you know, to the vast majority of companies, that's kind of a very short uh, strategy but for us. <clears throat> Pardon me, for us, that three months is a, a very long-term strategy when it comes to security in the crypto world, given the speed by which we're delivering new features. Fantastic. Well, so are you looking at anything else besides phishing? Yeah, any other security threats? Yeah, we're looking at, uh, well, it's still kind of phishing, but... Uh, one of the things that we're looking at beyond the websites is wallet addresses. So I'm looking at how feasible it is for Metasert to not only blacklist known wallet addresses, which are known to fish for details, that bit is easy, but we're looking at potentially 
coming up with a verified service. So in the same way that you have extended validation certificates for websites where you prove who you are and you prove this really is your domain name and it matches your company name and then you get the green name, you get the name of your company in the address bar in the browser. We're looking at doing something similar for wallet addresses. So you know you can trust a specific wallet address. Um, also, um, I've reached out to a few other security companies, certificate authorities, and getting them to reduce the price of their extended validation certificates for websites so that crypto uh, community websites can have a, an extended validation certificate so that it's more difficult for fishers to kind of pretend they are them because they have that green URL bar. Um, we have a few other products and services that we have in mind that are non-phishing, but I don't want to go into that yet. Okay. How do we widen, the, how do we speed this process up? You're already on the nonlinear growth pattern and you, I mean, 100 million is a lot in four weeks, but no speed seems to be fast enough. So <laughs> now you're going from one company to two companies. And so I see a kind of a nonlinear growth there. Who, who does it need to go to? How do we make sure that, I mean, we are having this information spread exponentially fast. I would like to see every cryptocurrency based company, which has a Slack group. I would like them to, I'd like to see them install Metacert so that we get the word out. And not only do they install Metacert, but they create channels specifically uh, the report URL channel and the check URL channel. So it's constantly reminding and educating people about the importance of checking URLs. Um, I'm in the middle of writing two very short manuals, one for crypto companies and one for investors that will help them be a little bit more secure. So with the crypto world, uh, with the crypto companies, it's not just about installing MetaSearch. It's about um, ensuring that the entire team behind a crypto company is mindful of their own personal security because they're going to be a target. Uh, so making sure that they're shredding all of their documents, make sure they change their passwords every couple of months. Uh, if they haven't done it in a while, they should absolutely change it straight away. Use uh, two-factor authentication, but don't use SMS. Instead, use another application like Google Authenticator. Um, there's things like that we're trying to educate people or remind them when they already know it. You know, take these steps because you will be targeted. People in the crypto world are absolutely going to be targeted. Um, so just kind of getting the word out is the only thing that I can ask for and be very appreciative as we've been getting that love from the community already. And I've been asked a few times now by different developers about whether or not MetaSearch should decentralize its own database. Uh, why should people trust MetaSearch? Uh, my initial response was, well, you kind of trust the padlock in the toolbar and you have done for a long time, and you didn't necessarily know it was Verisign behind the padlock in the toolbar because Verisign was never a consumer-driven brand. It was always an infrastructure play, a security infrastructure play, which was always my, uh, it was always my vision for MetaSert to become the Verisign of in-app security or messaging security. Now it's probably more uh, Verisign for cryptocurrency security. Um, so then I started thinking about it and speaking to the team about it. And we started researching whether it was feasible and whether it made sense to decentralize our database so that 
we reduce the risk of MetaCert becoming the single point of failure because, you know, the, we're getting absolutely hammered. Uh, the more attention we seem to get, the more hammered we get with, um, um, what's the term? I'm so tired. I'm trying to think now. Uh, brute force attacks. And it's okay. We're able to cope with it. Um, you know, we have an unlimited scaling, but it just means that it gets more expensive. You know, as they attack us, our website bandwidth and everything else scales with that and it just gets more expensive and they're pretty smart in hiding where they come from. Um, so we're come, having to come up with smart ways to try to trace where they're coming from and then block them. So decentralizing what we do is something that we're looking at. I'm not sure what that looks like. Um, it's kind of uh, new to us because it's really saying, okay, well, all of the IP that's currently in MetaCert, if that's decentralized, well, who owns that and how does that happen? How do you, how do you query, how do you search a decentralized database? I know for certain that Ethereum wouldn't be able to cope uh, with the performance that our own API copes with. You know, you can look up a URL from our database, have it unfurl across, check over 3,000 shortening services, unfurl it, check the destination, and then check the classification across 10 billion URIs, all of that in 190 milliseconds. And the number of times you can do that, you know, it's, it's a lot. So there's no way Ethereum could possibly cope with that. So that would mean having to do something else. And I don't know what that something else is. I don't want to pay too much attention to that because we're focused on trying to address the problems faced by the crypto world. But it is something that we're looking at long term. Okay, that's that's a lot of work going on. Is there anything else that you would like to share on this that will help our listeners? Well, it would be rude for me not to bring up Equifax. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it's easier to attack than it is to defend. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have been able to defend themselves. I'm not saying that it's okay for them to be breached. It's incredible how many times big companies are breached, in particular in the US. Um, but to have a third of all people in America to have their social security number exposed and compromised, that's very scary. I always found it extremely weird that the US used a social security number as a means of identity and other, you know, you were able, you would have to give your social security number to so many companies for so many different reasons. And I always found that extremely bizarre because it's an extremely important piece of information that identifies you and everything about you. And so to have Equifax be that center point of failure, it, it's really scary. And what scares me a lot as well is that within a day or two, they put up a website encouraging people to put in the last six digits of their social security number so that you could confirm whether or not your, your ID was exposed. Well, surely that leaves it open for other people to create spoof websites and do the same. It's just ridiculous. I don't understand that. Um, it's almost like now everybody in America needs to be given a new social security number because there's already so many people who've had their identity stolen. It, identity theft in the US seems to be a big business. And that's probably in part because it's so easy to steal your identity. 
So that How scares me. No, suppose. Uh, you know, uh, if, if there's a Joe Smith, how does he know whether his social security number was a part of the data breach at Equifax or not? I would say call Equifax. Don't go to a website and put in your details. Call Equifax. Um, but it's a good opportunity, actually, maybe for a blockchain situation where all of the different details, all of the different elements that make up your identity or that confirm your identity, if that was decentralized, and you didn't have one central point of uh, breach, then maybe that would be a good solution. Maybe that would be a good use case. Blockchain for your social uh, social security number or your just your digital identity on a broader scope. Yeah. So that's, I think, the Equifaxing. Oh, I, I wish we could take this audio viral in some sense. Yeah. I request it's, everybody listening to this, please pass this on. This this will this will really protect a lot of people. I I think that's a great advice. That's a great piece of advice. Call the Equifax number to find out you know if the breach happened on their social security number or not. And uh, you know um, it it's not a fair uncertainty and death. I don't like that approach. But in the crypto world, everybody needs to really kind of just wake up now because. It's a big target. Everybody in this world has a target on their back, not just individuals who are investing through the spoofing of websites and clicking on opening the wrong link and logging into the wrong website. Companies that are in this space, whether it's a wallet or a token launch or an ICO or whatever, they've got a target on their back. And I believe we're going to see some more big breaches. I think we're going to see some more companies that are compromised in this space because the cyber criminals are going to invest more time and money in hacks and phishing. And we're going to see uh, easier, we're going to see easy compromise. So I think everybody needs to just stop and think, you know, change their passwords, two-factor authentication using a Google authenticator, use different passwords, for different means, for different websites. Look at all of their social media accounts as well as their email. We think their strategy around that and educate all of the people in their company, whether it's two people or 200 people, and constantly remind them about the importance of being proactive and being kind of just thinking about these things. And it's about personal security. This sounds weird and a lot of people will think, well, this only happens in the movies. People do go into people's trash. They go into their bins, they root around and they get four or five different documents and they will string it all together and they'll be able to make a call to your phone company or somebody else and compromise one of your accounts. And once they have one account compromised, they can, they can compromise others. That's going to happen. Individuals are going to be targeted in that way in this space because there's so much money at stake. It's not like stealing your wallet. It's not like stealing like your physical wallet. It's not like stealing your credit card details. If you can get into somebody's crypto wallet, you empty it and there's no repercussions. You can't get it back. It's gone. So when cyber criminals are, you know, they're, they're only warming up. <laughs> this is only warming up. We're going to get much more sophisticated and bigger hackers coming into this space. And we're going to see a lot more compromises happening. 
uh, we had one community actually, um, I won't name them because I don't want them to get attacked. And the community manager said to me, Hey Paul, look, this is great. We were one of your first customers, but we haven't seen any phishing links. And so my response was, that's great. I'm not assuming that MetaSearch is the reason that you haven't had any phishing links or phishing attacks, but don't make any assumptions that you're perfectly safe and that you don't need any security. And that certainly wasn't what they were trying to hint at. They were just happy that they haven't had any attacks. And, you know, if you're going to have five communities where four communities are protected by MetaCert or somebody else, then it stands to reason that the one community that's not protected is going to be the one that gets hit with scams. Okay. <clears throat> well, this is all great information. I'm just, my, my mind is just running at 90 miles an hour trying to figure out how do we get this into the hands of more and more people? <laughs> but this yeah. is, this is my, str my strategy is to try and strike up partnerships with the companies that work with token and ICOs, token launches and ICOs. So the companies that they work with, the suppliers, that's who I want to strike partnerships with so that they can help them bring us to those companies. Um, but we do see a lot of companies signing up on a regular basis. It's only been four weeks, so it's been pretty good, but we do need to get the word out. I'm doing a podcast interview with coin fund tomorrow, actually tomorrow morning. Um, so that will be yesterday or last week, depending on when you publish this podcast interview. But so the more podcast interviews that we do and the more kind of engagement we get with the community, the one thing I would say is that this is the type of, customer, this is the type of community I love more than most. Protecting F5, IBM, SAP, Sage is important with our software. But what gets me out of bed is actually engaging with individuals who feel comfortable clicking on links because they're protected by MetaCert or working with the moderators and community managers because you know the, they're basically the developer community. I love working with the developer community way beyond the typical traditional SaaS business model where you're working with enterprise. That's not our customer. That was our customer until four or five weeks ago. Now it's the developer community. And that is what excites me because the developer community, rightfully so, is very skeptical. Um, it takes a lot to gain their trust for very good reason. But when you get their trust and they believe in you and they can see that you're trying to solve a real problem with a real solution and you care, then they tend to help you by giving you that love that you need, by exposing you to other potential customers and developers in the community. That's what excites me. That's, what, that's why I think we've been installing so many communities so fast is because they just, they see the benefit. So, Paul, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fast track this audio is of such time that, I mean, it's so important. It's so timely, especially that whole thing about Equifax. I mean, 143 million people <laughs> and identity theft possibilities. I mean, not to mention phishing possibilities because of the crazy solution. I was just quickly checking the Equifax. Uh, how do you protect yourself and find out whether your data has been breached and you go to the government website, not GOV, and they are asking you to go, they're giving a link, asking you to go to Equifax, 
Oh, do you know what? The institutions are just ridiculously stupid. We bank with two different banks and both banks will send me an email and tell me to click on the link to open up their secure message inside the browser. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Banks should not be saying to people, click on a link inside an email to open up a secure message inside a browser. That's just ridiculous because it's easy to fish people when you're doing that. You're not training your customers. You're not training mainstream people about not clicking on links. As for the Equifax and other hacks and other times when our data has been compromised, it's not just about one person or one group of people that has access to your details. They hack, they steal, and then they upload it to the dark web where they sell that information to potentially tens, dozens, or hundreds, or thousands of people who can make use of your personal information. It's not about one group of people that has access. It's about your details being out on the open web. And it makes it easy they, will, they make it easy for people to search that data. So it's easy to segment and search for very specific types of people when you've got access to that kind of information. Oh, that is, that is definitely scary. Oof. Okay. So what you're saying is, uh, okay, if the banks should not send emails asking people to click on the links, what should they do? just send you the email, <laughs> send you the information in the email or send you an email to say, log in to your account and, and give no uh, links. Yeah. Give no links. I've actually you had in-depth. You should, you should yeah. have your bookmark. Yep. I've had in-depth conversations with one particular bank and I just got really upset with them. I, I said, this is beyond ridiculous. I said, I brought it to your attention. You brought it to your security team and your security team thinks this is okay. Do you really think this is okay? And what I did was I actually, I copied, it was a nicely formatted designed email. So I simply copied, I did select all, copy, paste, reply all, and said, click on this link. And it brought them to, you know, a weird website. I can't remember what it was. And I said, hey, that took me less than three seconds to send you that email. Can you see what's wrong with this? Oh, goodness. Okay. At least uh, I, I don't know if we can influence banks and enterprises so quickly, but my hope is maybe we can educate the people, but then the kind of reach you're talking about uh, is look at the look at the size of the breach, 143 million. I know, I know. In the crypto, in the crypto world, you will get you will get people saying, "Don't be stupid. Learn from your learn from other people's mistakes. Don't click on links." But I think that's wrong. I can see why they're doing that, and I can see why they take that tone because they're frustrated by seeing so many people lose money. But at the end of the day, it's not just about people clicking on a link because they're being opportunistic, that they've got this deal to kind of, you know, log in and buy a pre-ICO at a discounted price. You've always got new people to crypto coming in. And because it's so damn complicated, the whole buying and selling process of uh, the whole process of buying and selling cryptocurrency is the most ridiculously complicated thing in the world. I tweeted the other day that cryptocurrency is a place where great engineers are building great things and it's where UX goes to die. I haven't seen, Coinbase is actually not bad, but aside from Coinbase, you know, I haven't seen anything where you've got beautifully designed, great experience of buying and selling currency. It's such a complicated process. And until that's simplified, it's going to be difficult to say to people, 
don't do this or this because they don't know what they're doing. It's not their fault. It's extremely complicated. Yeah, I agree with you. It is. How long should I wait before I see the transaction come through? Well, you got to do this, this, and this, and it might take this long because you haven't paid this much in gas or there might be a lag on the network. Oh my God, how do you expect, <laughs> how do you expect mainstream people to understand all of that? Yeah, it's crazy. So it's gone, but the, the, then what we're seeing is, you know, it's not surprising. It's nobody's fault. It's moving so fast. Now what I'm seeing is, uh, I think one of the biggest opportunities is actually UX and UI improvements of any given product or service that's currently available in the crypto world. If anybody just comes up with an alternative that's extremely easy and beautifully designed, that's a great, that's a massive opportunity. There aren't enough UX designers in the space. There's a lot of phenomenally talented engineers, but they're two different mindsets, two different uh, aptitudes, two different skill sets very rare to get those two skill sets in one person so it's a big opportunity and that's why security is a big uh, opportunity as well for companies like metacert because people are falling victim as a result in part because of the lack of user experience i totally agree with you you're saying that you know just clarity of user experience design might solve half the problem it will certainly solve a lot it's of problems simple the more complicated it is the more chances of error and exactly and complexity and you know, fraud and whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the simpler it is, you know, the the fewer moving parts it has, the harder it is to break it. That's right. And it's also just happens to be a great opportunity for anybody that wants to come into the space and disrupt any of the players that are currently complicated to use. Which is practically everybody out there. Like you said, Pretty much. Ex- notable exception could be somebody like Coinbase. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul, I thank you. This has been a fabulously useful recording. I'm going to fast track this. This is going to be released within 24 hours. <laughs> and uh, we're going to put it out there because this is extremely important, very timely, time critical, I might even venture to say. So I, I think we should do this uh, on a regular basis. Uh, I think we should almost become like a, a regular security update from Metasert and Paul Walsh. <laughs> so, I'd be delighted and we'll pick up on whatever hacks or phishing attacks that have happened or we'll go into detail and maybe one or two tips from time to time. Every couple of weeks. Okay. And uh, we might even do one something else is we might even set up a page on cryptonites.io uh, and start collecting all the ways to protect yourself for the lack of a better word just as a service, you know, maybe cryptonites.io slash security and put in the best practices of people protecting themselves right there. Uh, so that's something that I'm, I'm just thinking about. I think it might be a good idea. We might actually go ahead and do that and put some of the ideas that you suggested in one place so people can access that. That reminds me, one of the things that we're working on as well as a trust mark and protected by Metasert. So it's not just about adding Metasert to Slack. I, what I would like to do is to help encourage our partners to follow very specific best practices that we advise on so that investors and everybody else in the ecosystem, when they see that trust mark or they see protected by Metasert, they know that they have followed best practices, that they're like less likely to be hacked. They're less likely to be compromised as a result of not just being protected inside Slack, but also because they followed those guidelines. Well, 
Let's do that. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate this, Paul. It's going to help a lot of people and I wish you the best and uh, keep doing your good work. Pleasure. Thank you, Kanth. Thanks for listening to the Crypto Nights. Never miss an episode. Subscribe now at www.cryptonights.io.